This episode with Dr. Verletta Bryant is a slight departure from our usual guests, and for very good reason. 2020 has been a defining year, not only because of the pandemic, but because of racial violence and racial discrimination. After hearing Dr. Verletta Bryant and certified financial planner Zanelia Harris from Harrison Harris Wealth Management on a Facebook Live on a Saturday morning during Cheryl Hickerson's Female in Finance, I reached out to Dr. Bryant personally and I asked her for professional guidance. Specifically, I hired Dr. Bryant, a licensed clinically trained therapist and a corporate trainer to conduct a diversity, equity, and inclusion virtual workshop over Zoom for my team called Creating a Culture of Belonging. As a business leader, it was one of the most important business decisions and personal decisions I've ever made. Dr. Bryant's workshop was magical. Creating a culture of belonging enhanced our relationships with each other, informed the culture deck of our company, and made us better people. If you're looking to lean in boldly to your leadership in 2020 and build a stronger culture for remote teams, I highly recommend Dr. Verletta Bryant's virtual training program for your organization. You can reach her at the Art of Healing Center. Now, on to today's episode. Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the suite. Dr. Roletta Bryan is founder of the Art of Healing Center in Washington, D.C., Dr. Bryant is a licensed clinical trained therapist who received her Bachelor of Social Work degree from an historically black college and university, HBCU, Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama in 1996. She immediately continued her educational pursuits and obtained her Master of Social Work the following year at Andrews University in Berrien Spring, Michigan. Upon graduation, Dr. Verletta Bryant relocated to the Washington metro area in 1997 to serve as the executive director of the Adventist Community Services in Silver Spring, Maryland for two years. In addition to program development, fundraising, and numerous administrative duties, she worked with a variety of individuals and families that were in crisis or transition and needed emotional support and in most cases, financial relief as well. In September of 1999, she returned to school at the University of Maryland, Baltimore, and began working on her PhD in social work. While in school, she continued working with individuals and families from all walks of life that were experiencing trauma and disruptions in their lives. Her research area, Religion and Depression in African-American Women, was born from observing faith communities' response to hurting people. 
She became interested in minority women's utilization of spirituality to cope with life's adversities and to triumph over hardships. Dr. Bryant's academic career paralleled her graduate studies. She is founding chair of the social work department at Washington Adventist University. Since starting the program, she's returned and served in several capacities to include field director and associate professor. In 2003, Dr. Verletta Bryant accepted a faculty position at Copen State University and HBCU in Baltimore, Maryland. She taught across the curriculum, but specialized in human behavior and the social environment. She also developed a course entitled African Americans Women's Legacy, Race, Gender, and Class in America. The course was developed for future mental health practitioners to broaden their understanding about African American women by using a historical lens to contextualize the lived experiences of women of the African diaspora. After a 20-year successful career in academia, Dr. Bryant returned to her clinical roots. She became the program director of the Intensive Outpatient Program at Washington Hospital Center. Her proven management and leadership skills resulted in doubling program enrollment in less than one year. In 2018, Dr. Bryant started her own clinical practice, the Art of the Healing Center in the District of Columbia. She is a full-time therapist and continues to provide mental health therapy to individuals, couples, and families. Dr. Bryant uses a variety of therapeutic approaches that include family systems theory, cognitive behavioral theory, and meta-psychology. Dr. Bryant also provides a plethora of workshops and trainings like the one she did for our team that integrates mental health, wellness with diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Dr. Bryant is married and has one daughter. When she's not working, she enjoys spending time with family. She loves yoga, shopping, and traveling. And one of the many gifts that you'll discover about Dr. Bryant in this episode is how the fluidity of her own career was influenced by both her parents. Dr. Bryant's mother, a mental health therapist, and her father, a certified financial planner. Rather than being confined by one discipline, Dr. Bryant's career encompasses academics, counseling, teaching, research, and corporate training. And to use her words, I see them being the pathways I walk on as I am creating and designing the work that is intentional and important. That is the only work I can do in the suite. Dr. Verletta Bryant. Wow. It's so great to see you here in the suite today. What a morning we are having, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) How are you doing today? It's great to see you. You're looking beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. And it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm really so exciting. And this is going to be a fantastic podcast, a little bit different from the types of episodes that we've been having here, but one that especially 
given the unbelievable time that we are in society and in our history right now. So, so needed. And what you don't know, everyone, about Dr. Verletta Bryant is that she is not a financial advisor. And so she's not a portfolio manager. She is here in the D.C. area at the Art of Healing Center. And this will all make sense to you. What Dr. Bryant's work does do is it does intersect the financial services industry. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the broadcast and specifically the training that our team did with Dr. Bryant. But Dr. Bryant's work is at the Art of Healing Center. And I want her to give a little bit of a background into the type of work that she's doing and how it relates to businesses and especially what's going on right now. So Dr. Bryant, welcome to In The Suite. It's fantastic to have you. I'm so excited because this episode is going to help to make sense of a lot of important themes that are happening in our world. So again, thank you for extending the invitation. I started off pretty early in my career in academia and I researched clinical themes. I was very interested in mental health and women, um, as well as specifically women of color. And I was interested, my research really looked at how and when women of color were most likely to utilize mental health services. And I also was a faculty member and and taught and I taught clinical courses. So my research was clinical and my the courses that I taught were clinical. And for me, some of my teachers, professors that I really got so much out of It was obvious to me that they all had clinical practices because they were relevant, right? Mm -hmm. We have this saying in the business, you never want to teach from yellow notes, right? Wow. You never want to teach from yellow notes. Kind of with that. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, I came into academia at the beginning of my career. So I Mm. was a very young professor and I felt like that was something that I could use to my advantage. Right. And so a part of it was being relevant, which is that goes back to that saying about yellow notes. Right. And so I had and and loved clinical work. So I always kept a small practice and it dovetailed into my research and into my teaching. And so I did that uh, for over 20 years and I eventually transitioned out of academia and I started doing administration work. I was a program manager for uh, Washington Hospital Center, a program there, their outpatient mental health facility. I did that for two years. And I enjoyed administration. And the more that I did administration was the more that I felt like I should open my own. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With such a right decision. Absolutely. So that's what I did. I, I saw 
um, the gaps in services. This just wasn't at one facility. I mean, I had been researching this for years and, you know, I really felt like what I could offer was an oasis mm-hmm. um, to women and to the people that women love. Right. I wanted it to be a place where they didn't have to explain themselves. They didn't have to excuse anything. This space belonged to them and it was dedicated to their mental health, to their well-being and to transformation. And that and this is the transformation that I wanted them to be in charge of. And I was on that journey with them. And so that's how I've approached uh, mental health services. Now, I do have, as I mentioned, an administrative background and have done, served in administrative, in the administrative uh, portions of mental health. And so I have continued to offer consulting services to different businesses and to different organizations. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I want to go back, you, your, your background is so impressive that you combine all of these different areas that you have the clinical, you have the academic, you have the administration. And so you have the bachelor's of social work from Oakwood. You have a master of social work at from uh, Andrews University and you have a PhD from the University of Maryland. And you also taught for, for almost 20 years at two different universities combined. It does feel like you brought us into an oasis. When I heard Dr. Bryant speak for the very first time, how I felt like I definitely needed to reach out. You were someone that I wanted help to bridge a very difficult time and a different dialogue. So you all know Cheryl Hickerson's Females and Finance. And so we've had Cheryl in the suite before too. And if you're following her, during the time of the horrific killing of George Floyd, Dr. Bryant was a guest and she did a Facebook Live with Danelia Harris, who's been on a previous episode here in the suite. And this was at the height of this conflict here. And I thought it was so brave for you both. You came out and you did a discussion about race and reality. And that broadcast lasted. This is, I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, one hour and 40, I counted it, one hour, 40 minutes and 13 seconds. There were close to 130 comments. And again, if you remember how raw and and how heavy we were all feeling, this comment, I think, was the big takeaway. And this is what Cheryl Hickerson has had to say. This is a heavy topic and you're all being wonderful about sharing. Thank you. These are real feelings, real stories. We kind of pass through life in business, in our companies and societal pressures and events are happening, it's easy to ignore them or it's easy not to talk to them, talk about them at work, especially virtually, right? And I wanted to make sure that you and I had a conversation. I wanted to call you, both you and Zanelia personally, and tell you how much that broadcast meant. And I so appreciated you reaching out uh, to me. I agree with you. It, it summarizes so much for me because 
I think what that comment, what I hear in that comment is really you can always tell when trauma is in the room. Mm. There is a, we think of trauma as a concept of a, a construct, uh, and we don't realize that it takes up space. It's not just a label for mm. a word. It literally takes up space in our minds, but it also takes up space in our bodies. And so when we talk about the heaviness Right. What we were experiencing, we were experiencing trauma. But now the interesting thing about trauma is that, first of all, we were experiencing it collectively. That's right? so right. Absolutely. We were experiencing it collectively. And if you think about trauma and if you think about pain, first of all, you have to understand that. Pain doesn't have natural endpoints, right? Pain doesn't have natural endpoints. Mm-hmm. So by that, are you saying that it just, it's always there? It, it doesn't ever have an endpoint, does it really? It keeps going. When That is why when you have experienced a trauma in your life, right? And you can move on 10 years and you can look back and you can still feel like it happened just yesterday, Mm. right? Because trauma and pain doesn't have natural endpoints. A part of the work that I do with people individually and collectively is I help them insert endpoints to trauma and pain, right? And so we talk about releasing trauma. That's another way of saying that. But we have to recognize when we are experiencing it Right. And we have to acknowledge it. And that's what we were doing in that circle. Right. And the same way that you experience it is the same way that you begin to heal from it. There's only one way and that's through it. And so what was so powerful to me about that hour and 45, (laughs) (laughs) what was powerful to me was that I don't know if you noticed it. And now we're talking about energy, by the way, but it started off heavy, right? Oh, sure. By the end of that time, that heaviness had dissipated, right? And what was was replaced was that new energy that women coming together and telling our stories, right? We began to literally change the narrative for ourselves, for each other, and for the nation.
And the most interesting thing about it is that I had no idea that I was on that journey. Right. And, and you can all watch the replay. What's awesome about this right now is go watch the replay. I'm telling you, I was glued to that conversation and I don't normally attend a Facebook live for one hour and 40 minutes on a Saturday. I just want to say that, right? I wanted a way to move forward and I had no idea that it was going to happen so quickly. We started out the broadcast being feeling one way. And then I left with a certain levity. Again, it was the reason why I had to reach out to you because they said it was really, truly transformative. And what I wanted to do after that, Dr. Bryant, I said, wait, I wanted to package this up and I, I wanted to give it legs. I wanted to give it longevity. I wanted to give it an expression in my own work environment. When I reached out, I said, how can we have these conversations at work? Because I'm not a licensed psychologist and even know how to, what's the right way, right? What's the right way to bring, bridge these conversations at work? But they need to happen at work. Absolutely. We spend so much of our lives, well, before COVID, physically at work, but we're still mentally engaged. We're still mentally connected. And so one of the things that I think is really critical is making sure that we're not avoiding these issues, right? And so the best way to do it is to start, number one, right? And so I really appreciate it. Um, you reaching out to me and giving me an opportunity to work with your staff. We still have taboos in our society. And one of them is race, because and and again, this this hap comes a, a piece of it comes from avoidance because there has been a legacy of atrocities, right? Mm. And there has been silence around it, right? It's very difficult to break the silence, and we feel so disempowered that we don't know where to begin. Right. And so one of the things that I try to do, I want to focus on when I'm doing work again, whether it's with uh, an individual, whether it's with a family or whether it's with someone's staff. I want to work on the things that we fear the most. Right. And I want the, the way that you work is not by judging and attacking. Right. The way that you work is by creating bridges. Right. Because at the end of the day, what we all share is humanity. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We're all a part of the human race. And so there are some parts of my story that are going to automatically resonate with you. And there are some parts of your story that's all automatically going to resonate with me because there is no way that I can be in your life and you can be in mine and there and we not be able to connect. This is what I strongly believe that we can't connect at some point and someplace. And so when we don't connect, I am very curious about 
why we are not connecting. So when I sit down with a staff, I talk about race because I, I have an invitation to do so usually. So that that helps. Oh yeah, <laughs> we I, want I, you to talk about it, right? I mean, right, we, that's, we're, 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 our team is our team is made up of fifty percent of women of color. One of our interns, uh, who happens to be a woman of color, she just left to go back to to, to school. And it, it was very women of color or not. It's an important conversation because we all have, again, to your point, it's a humanity discussion. The extensions of our own family are diverse. And so we need to make sure that we're honoring that part of ourselves and sharing that part of ourselves to bridge right. to make these deeper connections. Absolutely. And we, again, we can shy away from it because we presume that it is going to be hard, right? There's going to, there could potentially be something that I say wrong or uh, that uh, someone will misinterpret. And then I still have to work with this person, right? Maybe I don't have the language, like, you know, there, there's a hundred reasons. But what I have found in doing this work is that when we begin to talk about who we are as people, we begin to really have an appreciation for ourselves and each other. And so that's where, to use your word, the honoring begins to happen. Right. And so when we when we talk about race, yes, sometimes it's heavy and sometimes it's not. But when we talk about it, we get somewhere. We have productive conversations because at the root of it, we want to always gear it towards team building because when I'm doing my work, it's DEI and, and workshops of the like. And so if you think it's race that's keeping people separated, then that's what we talk about. However, what I've found is that it's always race and. Mm. It's mm, always wow. raised in something right, else. Right. But don't you have to bridge the conversation of race? And I, I would love it if if you're okay with it, if I talk a little bit about what the what we did from a team perspective, from what my team did, a little bit of, about the workshop that you did for us. Oh, because please. what you were just describing, Dr. Brian, that's exactly how I was feeling. I was unsure of the words that I wanted to use. I, I thought that it was very important that I have a conversation and I wasn't sure how to show up. I wanted to say that that we honor who you are. And we also acknowledge that the world is going through a difficult time right now. And we want to have a more inclusive culture and we want to be able to have conversations that are occasionally difficult. You did a training for us a few months back. The theme was creating a culture of belonging. And I told my team, Dr. Brian is going to come in here. I, I shared some of my experience of just listening to you. They were fantastic about it. They welcomed it. They were excited about it. And when you came into our organization, we did a virtual session with you. It was an hour. How we walked into the virtual room and how we left, we were different people. And and it goes back to that same when you and Zanelia were on the Facebook Live, Cheryl Hickerson's Females in Finance, when I listened to that Facebook Live and when I left the Facebook Live, it was different. And what you did was 
you brought us so close together, one hour facilitated workshop conversation that was so pleasant, by the way. As much as I give is as much as I learn mm-hmm. all the time. I, I enjoy very much so working with people who really want to see our world in whatever sector they live and take up space in be better. Right. And that's, that's, those are the, the two words that you need in your lexicon. Be Be better. Love it. I, I love it. Be better. I have gone on tons of team building retreats. I've gone away to places. I've zipline. I've done whiskey bourbon tasting. You name it. And you come in for a 60 minute Zoom and you've done the work of like. (laughs) (laughs) And my team appreciated so much just the chance for us to share our, to share our similarities, share our differences, share our stories, share what matters. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I think you're hitting on something very important. So unfortunately we have a lot of messaging that tells us that when we get to the point of experiencing someone and their difference, that that is supposed to be weaponized. Right. And it doesn't have to be that way. Right. When you experience, first of all, there is no way that you can have a relationship with another person and not eventually experience them in difference. And I don't care if it's a romantic relationship. I don't care if it's a parent-child relationship. If it's employee-employer or employee-employee, it doesn't matter. Relationships, as long as you are experiencing someone, you are eventually going to get to the place where you experience things that connect you, and you're going to experience things that are different. We have conflicts with ourselves, and that means we're going to have conflict with others. So the question, we can't freeze when we have conflict or when we experience difference. What is far more useful is to figure out how do I utilize this difference about the other person in a healthy and productive way, right? So a part of that looks like, well, it looks like having conversations, right? It looks like understanding a person's perspective and what is it that you're actually seeing, right? Now, I'm talking about this as if it is, something that has no emotions attached. Normally when you are... (laughs) You said the magic word there, Dr. Brian, emotion. When I am experiencing my husband and I begin to experience him in difference, it is generally not a neutral event. (laughs) I love that. I I feel something in my chest. I feel something in my stomach. You know, 
And I have to, you know, I would have to check in with myself. I had a, a two or have I had an eight? <laughs> so I don't want to detach emotions from our conversation, right? Right, but again, right. But again, that's a part of the process, right? Emotions help us to understand, aha, there's something here to be investigated and explored. Hey, listeners, you can get a copy of the show notes from today's episode with Dr. Verletta Bryan. Just text in the suite, I-N-T-H-E-S-U-I-T-E to 55444, and you'll receive them right in your inbox. Again, all one word, text the word in the suite to 55444, and you'll receive the show notes right in your inbox. Thanks. People are very protective of the things that they think make them different, particularly in the workspace, right? You have, your team is brilliant. I I could, I it took me all of three minutes and I could just, I could tell you have a brilliant team. And so as I was working with them, I realized that, You'd already done so much of the groundwork because of your leadership style and you want them to show up and bring all of who they are to the workplace, right? Instead of the opposite, which is is what we think of. Well, in order to be professional, we all have to be <laughs> in gray suits, white blouses, and yeah. and we have to be on script. And and then we go, well gosh, why why are our teams lacking in creativity and innovation? And why do we fumble when it's time to problem solve? Right? Well because you've asked for 75% of me to stay at home and to bring that, you know, 25% to the office place that I can tolerate in similarity. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Absolutely not. Let's show up and let's begin to have some context because when we have context about what we're seeing, it requires us to begin to broaden and expand our perspectives about ourselves and the other. So now I can understand why you always have that second cup of coffee. You were up all night with your child. I get it. Yes. Let me get you some coffee, you know, and and it doesn't take anything away from me. Right. So now I am literally what we're talking about now we are going from this place of I've got to protect because or or the other version of that is I got here but am I really good enough to be here right mm-hmm. imposter syndrome oh right? such a, such a, yeah that's another version of what we're talking about right mm-hmm. and when in fact I I really have so much to give and to contribute if it, if I can tap into it. And the way that I tap into it is when I know there's going to be an appreciation and a respect for it. Right. So how do we then build that into our systems at work? 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I want to, I, I would love to know some of your best tips. Maybe if you could give us three best tips for, you know, how business leaders can do a better job of building a workplace community that incorporates the characteristics, the backgrounds, the person identities of their employees to, to your point, to enhance creativity, innovation, participation, and even I would say more output. Here's one of the things that really surprised me about my team is that we have a culture deck, right? And it was informed by Jeff Bezos uh, because one of these days we are going to be that Amazon beast of a company. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so I couldn't wait to share it. And I'll put it in the show notes today, along with the show notes for Dr. Bryant's Art of Healing Center and the information for this program too, creating a culture of belonging workshop, which was amazing. But here's what they did. is that I asked them to form their own slide in the culture deck. I said, what are we missing? What are we missing? And, and here's what they came up with. The title is Inclusivity and Accessibility, Regardless of Race, Gender, Culture, Etc., Being Inclusive of the Diversity of Others, Celebrating the Diversity of Others, of Each Other, Learning from Each Other, Helping and Being There for One Another. The third bullet here was Building Off Each Other's Strengths. And the, the next was accessible. And the last was warm and welcoming to incoming members of the team. That, Dr. Bryant, was because of your work. Wow. Wow. I, I, I appreciate it. However, I'd be remiss if I took credit for it. I, <laughs> I see myself as a practitioner that I obviously bring a certain skill set, but I really allow and have a, a real respect for all of the expertise in the room. And again, the same way that I approach uh, an individual client is the, is the same way that I show up for a corporate client. And that is I come in with a specific area of expertise. And I recognize immediately that I am at my best when I am able to bring out the expertise in the room, right? And and that's what I'm hearing. They are the experts on their experience at work. They know what they need. What I'm an expert in is holding up a microphone to your inner self and giving permission for you to talk, right? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so what I'm hearing is that in many ways, diversity, when we experience difference, and we experience it in diversity, it feels like a threat. In order for someone to win, it means that someone has to lose, right? right In right. order for me to shine at work is this traditional way of conditioning and thinking. It means that, that you've got to, to step back. And so if that's not happening, then there is a part of me that feels threatened. And whenever 
I feel threatened, then I'm ready to defend, right? And I'm going to attack, right? And what happens to the work? The work, the, the output, for, forget about it. The work. What happens to the mission? What happens yeah. to our purpose? Yeah, it, it's out the window. Nobody nobody cares. It's right. You're, right. you're that the, the work will, will not, the, the output will not be anywhere near where it needs to be. And it won't have the right DNA in the creation process of that work. So I can tell you that it wouldn't, whatever that output is, matters not because you've already started with the wrong ingredients and the wrong mindset. Absolutely. And so what is important is to understand. So, so here, here is tip one, uh, to understand how our brains work, how our bodies work and to understand that when I'm elevated back to those emotions, right. Mm -hmm. When I get triggered, right. It's not just, you know, that is something that's now in our common conversation. Oh, well, you know, he triggered me. Oh, I, you know, I got triggered, you know, well, stop and think about it. What actually was getting triggered? Pain and trauma is not just a mental concept. It resides in your psyche and in your body, right? Think about your muscles. Where do you carry your tension, right? Mm -hmm. Is it your stomach? Is it your back, right? So when you are getting triggered, generally it is something that is attacking a part of who you think you are or who you think you are not. The, the flip is true as well, right? And so if we can understand and remind ourselves that first of all, I am safe, I am okay. And just because I feel an attack, it doesn't have to define me. If we can remind ourselves of that, and if we can lower our emotional charge, right? Because when our emotions are high, we are, our, our physiological body takes over. So we're not in a thinking, reasoning place, as we saw with the debates last night, oh. uh, <laughs> we, are oh, in, we are in a place where we are, in a boxing ring. we are in a boxing match. Gladiator style. I'm coming for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that isn't where you're the part of your brain that says, hey, here's a new idea, right? Hey, you know, think about it this way. That shuts down. Right, right. That's totally suppressed because of the emotional, totally. the, the, what, what's, what's happening to you emotionally is just shutting that, that part of the brain down. You're not even capable of that behavior or that skill set in that moment. It's about survival. In right. That moment, right. Yeah. That's what, that is what becomes critical. And so tip one, the most powerful tool that you have is inside of you. And that is your breath. Mm. Right. So your breath connects mind, body and spirit. Right. So when you feel yourself getting triggered, one of the best things you can do is breathe. Wow. 
So sometimes we're in the last time that I, I noticed this in myself is that I was literally in a corporate setting. Is there a, before we get, I, I know we have to get to the second and, and third tip, but is there a quick tip for having to breathe? What, what if you are in the office, right? What if yeah. you are in a conference room right now and you notice that you're being triggered? What's a strategy for kind of taking that breath and just mastering the moment? Without it being too obvious for people. Right. Absolutely. So the, the, we have so many different ways of, of breathing now. Breathing has like, you know, how we have a designer water. Now we have designer breathing tips, right? Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can't wait to put this in the show notes too. End of the day, physiologically speaking, mm-hmm. when we breathe, we tap our nervous system communicates with our brain that we are safe, right? So, so when you are in a situation where you are feeling yourself being triggered, and, and again, that that too is a part of uh, having or the benefit of having a mindfulness practice, is because it raises your awareness where you're aware of yourself as well as others and and your environment. And you can become in tune with yourself and your emotions when they're at a two versus when they're at the 10, right? And so your ability to respond and to take care of yourself is far better. So here's here it is, as simple as I can make it. In through your nose, out through your mouth, whatever you do, make your exhale longer than your inhale. And physiologically, you must, you must relax. You cannot have an exhale that's longer than your inhale and not relax, just like you can't walk outside on a hot day and not eventually start perspiring. It's a physiological response. How can you do that so that you are uh, not obvious with it? Could you tell that I was doing that? No, not at all. No, not at all. Looking at you right now on on Squadcast, even though that this is a audio episode, Dr. Brian and I are watching each other right now. And there's no way that I would even know what you were doing. Another thing that you can do, and I'm going to do my best to describe this, but it's not... It helps to to have the visual. But anyway, I'll I'll do my best to, to use my words. So if you look at your thumb. And if you look between your nail and your thumb bed, there's a meridian point right in the corner of that. And so by holding that and applying pressure to that point, that too is just a way of telling yourself, hey, I'm okay. I don't know if you realize this, but you don't have control of what you think. Right. I thought I had control over what I thought. <laughs> we don't. We, we don't. Oh, I'm holding my thumb right now, by the way, as you're saying that. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, think about not thinking about something. Right? Okay, like, okay, I'm not going to eat at night. I'm not going to have the Twix candy bar that I had the other night. I'm going to try not to think about it. But right, the more you think about that you're not going to do it, the stronger the attraction and the magnetic pull to actually do the thing that you're trying to avoid in the first place. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. That's terrible. 
You know, I was I was reading through some of the materials that you presented during our workshop, and it talks about the fact that a lot of these like biases that we're not even aware of started at such an early age, like three years old. And is the reason why we think of certain things goes back to our our childhood and the way that we're we're brought up. Is that where it comes from? And actually, um, there's a lot of work that's being done on cross-generational trauma and how it how trauma isn't just what happens in your lifetime, but it is also attached to what happened in your mother's and your grandmother's and your father and so on and so forth. And so, you know, if you think about it, you know, obviously, parenting styles are influenced by our experiences and so you know from a psychological perspective from a sociological perspective but also that research is showing biologically right so much of who we are starts off early in our lives and that is why you can uh, have a family gathering and you may encounter a family member that you weren't raised by or had a lot of contact with but the two of you act just alike I think the the takeaway is really understanding that while we don't have control over the thought that drops into our brain at any given time, we do have control over what we do with the thought once we think it. So if I'm having thoughts of, you know, I'm just so down, I'm I'm frustrated, things aren't going right, I'm in the middle of a pandemic, okay, fine, that is fine. Those are all truthful statements, right? And those are feelings that it makes sense to have given the thoughts that you're having, right? It's a fit, it's a match, right? Now, what do we do with it, right? Because if we continue to generate thoughts that keep us or move us in a direction that's in the opposite direction of our goals and what we're trying to accomplish or simply be, then those two will grow. So until we can get in there and begin to say truthful statements about ourselves and about our environment. So in, in other words, what I'm getting at is instead of saying, I'm just, this is, this is just, I'm going to stick with my example of this is a bad day. This is a bad day and I'm just the worst person in the mornings, right? Okay, really, are you the worst person? Right. Honestly, you're, you're not the worst person. You might be a little cranky, right? But like, who is the worst person? You know, and how do you know you're it, right? So making factual, actual statements you know, versus these dramatized or exaggerated statements will help frame what our experience is in ways that we can then respond to that are productive and we can construct something that's going to be helpful. So that might look like I am feeling less energy and I am going to continue working even though I don't necessarily feel as energized as I like. Right. Because what you just offered, I I feel that right now with coronavirus, 
last night's debate, I think a lot of people are, are waking up and I think they're freaked to acknowledge that you're going to have a negative thought because you're just going to have a negative thought. Mm-hmm. However, you don't need to buy into that negative thought give it a name, recognize that it's there, but then say that even with that, even with the way that I'm feeling right now, I'm still going to do this whatever positive thing or positive motion in my life instead of just digging the digging my hole deeper and deeper. But it, it means though that we have to we have to make a pivot in our thinking, in our actions, if we're going to not get suffocated by it or brought down by it. That's right. When we say like positive, people will discount that. Oh, you're talking about positive thinking or positive. Yeah, right. And and I'm not. I'm really not. What I know is that the way in which reality gets shaped is by what you think. For you to be able to help us to bridge complex things that are happening in our society and even our own thoughts, right? Because it is, it, it goes back to what you were just saying about how we're thinking and how we're feeling and shaping our reality through our own thoughts. This is such an empowering episode with you right now. And again, I can't wait to share it and put some of these strategies in our show notes. I think Dr. Verletta, you've given us some really tactical strategies to move forward and to push the reset button again in a way that accelerates our progress and keeps us going. But I know that we're going to need you again. We're going to need your wisdom and words here in the suite that I guarantee because as strong as our thinking can be and let's face it, we're all just, we're all human, right? We're all together. We're all human and we screw up, right? With our best intentions, we might have the strongest certainty of mind, but then we've done something to self-sabotage our, our, our progress. So we're definitely going to need your help. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, you can always reach me at www.theartofhealingcenter.com. I'm in the D.C. area and I see uh, individuals, families, and then I also offer clinical services to corporations, to nonprofits. It ranges the gamut. I'm so grateful to Cheryl Hickerson, Females in Finance. Zanelia Harris, Harris and Harris Wealth Management. So grateful for what the work that you did for our team and it's going to continue. And we'll again, continue to have you in the suite because I think that this is such a powerful episode. You've made talking and dealing with the complex something that I actually look forward to. We do have a last question and, and that is that all of us as women have had to champion that superpower to bring ourselves to be the best version of ourselves sometime in the suite. And some of us do it with a mantra, a physical object or a practice. And I would love to hear from you if you can either share what you do or maybe a strategy that you recommend. Yes, yes. Well, I think that it's always important to have external places where you can count on to get filled. And I also think it's important to have internal ways of replenishing. And so one of my internal resources that I utilize quite a bit, I have a beautiful, smart 12-year-old daughter. 
and her name is Serafina. And Serafina means angel of fire. And my child truly is an angel of fire. <laughs> I knew oh. her while she was kicking in my belly, and I had no idea oh, <laughs> that fire would translate <laughs> into her. And her she's child. only twelve. You still have the he- the teenage years. I know my mother's listening to this broadcast right now, and she would tell you, "Watch out! Be careful what you wish for." Yes, yes, yes. I've got it. I've got it. I'm like, please use your powers for good in someone else and on someone else. But to answer your question, I love angels. And so when I think about angels and when I think about what my purpose is, I love the idea of protection and security because that's when we're our best selves. And so I keep an angel on uh, my desk and at times I'll have a candle lit as well. When I think about my fire angel and when I see her in motion, right, (laughs) I see my legacy and I see the fire that she has, her spirit, it honestly rejuvenates me in a way that I cannot tell you. It grounds me, but it also elevates me. Because I just always understand that what I'm doing now, it's not just the now, Tina. It's the now and it's a future. I'm so moved by this. What a beautiful way. I'm I'm also a mother of a daughter and I love the way that... I love the way that you look at her and... It means so much more what you're doing. It just, it, it's all, it's all interconnected. You have just given us the gift of just being grounded and having a clearer sense of what's really happening around us. And right now, again, during such challenging times, it's truly, truly a gift to have you, Dr. Verletta Bryant in the suite. I'm so grateful to you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. And may your work continue to help business leaders like me and people like me, women like me. You've been a a gift for us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. And you know what? Likewise, I want your work to flourish because it's so needed. It's so valuable. So thank you. I do appreciate it. You're listening to In The Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Our producers are Tina Powell and Kevin Hershorn. Our editor-at-large is Kevin Hershorn. Our content writers are Carmen Varner and Tina Powell. Our research and technical assistants are Natika Upridi and Rachel Powell. Want to get show notes from today's episode? Just text In The Suite to 55444 and you'll receive them right in your inbox. In the Suite is proudly sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a digital marketing and social media agency for C-Suite leaders and companies in finance and technology. You can visit csuitesocialmedia.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite Podcast. We are so, so grateful to you. We've got listeners in 370 cities and 27 countries. This podcast is inspired by you ladies. 
Please let us know how you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Verletta Bryant and share your thoughts on LinkedIn and Twitter using the hashtag in the suite. I would love it and it would mean so much if you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this amazing episode with Dr. Verletta Bryant. You can connect with her on LinkedIn and check out her website, theartofhealingcenter.com. And always, if you would like to share the name of a rock star woman in financial services we should interview in 2021, please send it to me at tina at csuitesocialmedia.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In the Suite.